How does a colonial subject fight for democracy in the age in this age of rising authoritarianism? Well, what Giovanna Negretti has done is she has taken the fight for democracy to the whole globe. She is the executive director of an organization called the Open Network. And that is that it is a global network of organizations that use online tools to engage people at the grassroots so that they can stand for progressive values. I've known Giovanna for 20 years. I have seen her uh, grow from face to face of her life. Um, we have been in community in Boston together, part of the Latino and Puerto Rican community here. She's now based in Barcelona, running this global organization. And this is a really beautiful conversation between friends, friends that have seen each other grow, friends that have moved from a lot of like this kind of political, rigid knowing into a more open-hearted stance, friends who are concerned with the way in which we are so ideologically bound that we are not making room for what is most beautiful and most human in us. I enjoyed this conversation so much because it's a friendship that has been so long, because she is a fellow Puerto Rican and because that is so important to her. And she does talk about Puerto Rico itself, about her own experience uh, as somebody with her roots in Vieques, about the Puerto Rican movements that are going back to the land today. It is wide-ranging, it is sweet, and it is full of wisdom. I know you're going to enjoy it. Let me know what you think. If you don't know me, my name is Gibran Rivera, and I am a guide, I'm a teacher, I'm a facilitator and a coach. And with this podcast, I am inviting you into a decentralized conversation with remarkable leaders who are devoting their lives to the evolution of consciousness and culture. Thank you for joining us. Your attention is invaluable. Hola, hello, Giovanna. So good to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you too. <laughs> Thank you so much for our, um, accepting this invitation. To... Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's so special to be talking to you because your work has been so meaningful for so long and uh, it's unique compared to many other guests or most of them because I have witnessed your trajectory. We've known each other. I was trying to count. I think we're two decades into being in each other's fears. So that is incredible, incredible, so incredible. Uh, so I'm just excited for people to get to know you and the magic and the goodness that you are in the world. And uh, thank you. yeah, so I just wanted to really thank you again for thank saying you. Here. Thank you for and, inviting um, me. Yeah, I mean, why don't you, I do a formal introduction that I record after, you know, but why don't you tell, tell us like, what is the main identity that you're coming into this conversation with you know there's so many things that you've held i know that you're running an international organization right now how are you coming into the conversation today gibran i'm coming in as a puerto ricana always always una mujer puertorriqueña that's trying to do good in this world 
Uh, and um, that doesn't forget where she comes from ever. So whether it's in the local feel, you know, sphere or the national sphere or the international sphere, soy boricua, 100%. Primero. Yes, yes, yes. I just got the talking to another Puerto Rican. That's right. So, so I came into the space, you know, knowing that we're both Puerto Ricans. That's where Amen. I'm from. That's how. Oh, I just got the goosebumps. I gotta tell you something funny because you've met Tuesday, and. Uh, you know, I'm always rocking Puerto Rico, you know? She, like, in, in one of our conversations, she's like, oh, my God, we almost went a whole conversation without you mentioning you were Puerto Rican. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then she, and then she went to Puerto Rico. She thought it maybe was just me. And she went to Puerto Rico, and people in my family would compliment her. And they say, oh, you look so pretty. You could be Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she came back reporting to her kids and her friends that um, we have a superiority complex. I'm like, is it a complex or is it just a fact that we just don't, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. It is. It is. That's what it is. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and you're running the open. Is that what we just call it? Open? It's the online progressive engagement network, but yeah. um, it's it's commonly known as the Open. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, another interesting data point about that is that I was around to facilitate the first convening of online progressive engagement networks. You know, um, in the U.S. That's right. And then from the U.S., we did an international one. So so it's just cool that I was kind of there yes. long before, before you got there. Now now you're there and you are just you've been there for how many? Is it three years now? It's been four years now. Four years. Four years. Yeah, yeah. What an important time to be doing yes. the work that you're doing. Okay, yeah, kind of a complicated absolutely. one. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I have to say, it's, um, you know, I can imagine the dynamism with which you facilitated that meeting. I, I, I know because I hear it from the people who are still within the network and was there at that time, especially okay. now because we're going to be 10 years old this year. So it, wow. it's, it's sort of like it's coming to a full circle, you know, that moment in the U.S. Um, was it Vermont, New Hampshire, somewhere up in the eastern states? Yeah that you had mm -hmm. this convening and it was an idea, right? An idea, a thing that was just forming. And, and now that you, Gibran, get to see 10 years later, you know, from yeah. facilitating that group, you know, as to what could be envisioning what that could be to 10 years later and seeing the growth and the development of it, it must be for you as a facilitator. So sort of like, whoa, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Mind blowing, mind blowing. I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to say about say a comment about the the one we facilitated a couple of years back, right before COVID started. But I think it's a good idea to define what we mean by online progressive engagement networks because people might not get what we're talking about. So sure, sure, sure. Well, well Open is a is a network of twenty organizations around the world using. Um, digital organizing tools to mobilize people um, from the ground up. It's people power. It's a people powered movement on a national level. 
Um, it's like taking move on, move ons or.org in the US, that model of digital organizing, online and offline um, mobilizing to different countries that um, you know move or advance progressive causes in their countries, right? So it's, it's very local, it's very nationally focused, local and nationally focused. And that's what it, that's why it's different from Abaz and change.org. It's just that it's nationally focused and the membership because, you know, all politics is local at the end yeah. of the day, really. And people tend to engage more. And also that it's for progressive causes. And that's really important. So we're dealing with, uh, you know, and it's people power. So people get to choose the causes that these organizations sort of are, are dealing with on a daily basis. What we do, you know, as open sort of the nucleus, the team that sort of runs the this this network is really we provide the capacity for these organizations to get to the next level. And nice. what's beautiful, it's like a family. So we share, we share tactics. Each group is sharing tactics and strategies and technologies of how to do things differently um, in your own context. So if something, if a great campaign on healthcare has been done in Australia, the people from Sweden can take it you know, translate it and the very next day run that same campaign. So you're not reinventing the wheel. So we do summits and secondments and all these, we have a library, we have all these opportunities for people to really share and strategize and come together um, to build a better world, a very, a better country, a better country and a better world um, right. with progressive value. And it's so fantastic. I got to tell you, when I got open, I got like open is at my first summit. I started in March of 2019. And the first summit was in June and I, and I still couldn't get my head around what we were. And I, when we, and you, you would know this more than I would, um, because you did our, you facilitated one of our sort of summits online. And so I came to this and I just realized, oh my, when I was there, it's like people sort of the solidarity, the, the feeling of I'm not alone in the world doing this. And there's more people like me in different contexts, completely different contexts, doing this work is something very powerful, especially yeah. at this time where there's shrinking space, um, where there, the rise of the alt-right is, has been tremendous. Yeah. Um, you know, where we, what we read every single day is, you know, the disinformation, um, all of that is really influencing the way people are shaping their ideas and the polarization. It becomes lonely, especially yeah. during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the past three years have been quite lonely for a lot of people to, to, to have a sense of what can I do to shift this negativity? And our groups have been really um, amazing in doing that. So I'm pretty yeah. proud. That you should, uh, that's great. And, and, and you should be, you should be. I know that that, uh, that summit, we were, it was the first trip they got canceled when COVID yes. hit, like, like for, I think for many, certainly for Tuesday and I. And so it was also an extra challenge. It was a challenge in many ways in that we were translating to Zoom for the first time mm. and that it was so many time zones, right? So it was wild in terms of <laughs> what we were trying to do, you know, it was mm -hmm. courageous and it was, and it was wild, and I thought we got great outcomes. And I think so much of it has to do with that, that authentic mutual care that, that you're saying, that sense of true solidarity. And, you know, I, I have like a, I'm going to get to a personal question that I often like to ask at the beginning. But before I do that, something comes up, right? Because 
you said like Australia and Sweden, right? And so then you have Canada and the U.S. and you have well-developed, rich Western democracies. And I believe you have some African countries. Yes, yes. yes. Right, and you have I believe you have India. Mm-hmm. Yes, right, yes. and so you're talking about different arts of democratic history. <laughs> yes. Right, and and um, yeah, I'm just wondering. How so? At the same time, there is a global right rise of the right, right? Like, um, like uh, I have a a friend, and I don't, I'm not sure if I should quote her, give her name, just because it was a personal conversation. But she's a known thinker here in the U.S. and and a culture maker. She said these folk are having their Pan-Africa moment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like there was a Pan-Africa dream. Mm-hmm. Instead, mm-hmm. we're having like this kind of white supremacy, but it's beyond that in that we have Brazil mm-hmm. and the Philippines and India, right? Like mm-hmm. this like real, true, like populist nationalism on the right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and so how do you, how do you, contend with how this shows up around such different countries you know like yeah you know it's 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 interesting it's a challenge i have to say um it you know i can't claim that we have it right but i think we try really hard um to ensure that that uh the learning is really um uh that everyone is gener- generous in receiving and giving the learning. And, you know, and there's a there's a level of humility that goes into that, Gibran, you know, because, you know, you have big organizations like in the US or, or you know, Germany or the UK that have been established for quite a lot while and doing this thing. But then you have countries like, you know, either South Africa or India or now Brazil, that's part of the network, um, even New Zealand, where they're doing things in very innovative, different ways in, in places like Hungary, smaller countries that have dictatorships, basically, you know, Romania, that are, that's where the innovation is coming from, right? Mm-hmm. With the innovation of how to reach people in a way that they feel touched and that they feel like they can make a dis- difference despite what's going on around them, right? Despite right. the conditions. But that uh, an, an organization like Move On can say, oh, I can learn from that, that's right? Great. Right. That's I can amazing. still learn from, from the indigenous communities in, you know, New Zealand, or yes. the 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 Brazilian communities in in Brazil, or just now we just had a, a an America summit for the first time ever at Open. We did an America summit, and we had Colombia, Mexico, Brazil, Canada, and the U.S. Wow! I got to tell you, that was one of the most amazing. I mean, the learning and the cross sharing of you know, uh, uh, just not even, ex- not even just learnings about the tax, you know, the, the technical aspects, but I'm taught and the campaigning that was going on and the issues that were sort of the cross learning, the cross knowledge, but the cultural understanding and, and, uh, and really deep sort of spiritual exchange that was happening wow. amongst people was beyond the technical was incredibly, um, uh, inspiring to me. Right. Wow. And, and, but that comes, with people coming with willingness, with openness yeah. to say, and humility to say, okay, re- regardless, we have something to learn here. And that's, the, and for our responsibility is really to create the conditions for that to happen. 
that is so cool that is so so great we should exchange some notes uh after because over the years i've been running something called solidary labs mm. which is um, a gathering of human rights activists and an artist usually documentary filmmakers uh, and it happens in different latin american countries so we've done it in mexico we've done it in guatemala we first did it in colombia then we went back to colombia and did afro colombia uh, and now we're going to peru at the end of the year we were going to be in peru this this month but mm. because of the of the, pro the the troubles there we decided not to go so there's probably some cross connection with the folks yeah. that you're working with. So it'd be cool to just Absolutely. kind of exchange, tell you at least who's showing up to, to ours and see if your people recognize them. Um, yeah. But I love that, that, that concern with the hemisphere, you know, that's a cool, cool, cool Yeah, I mean, but I will say, as you know, I mean, it does come with some challenges, right? Um, yeah. it, you know, and it's, I think the awareness, being aware and the intentionality with mm -hmm. which we operate is key. Right for any yeah. global organization, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, intentional awareness and 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 also sort of um, curiosity. Yeah. And I think when those three things are come together, then that's the the secret sauce, <laughs> you yeah. know. Because yeah. absent that, yeah. absent that, then 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 um, you know the, the space will not be as magical as it as it could be. That's right. I can only no no I I it is which gets me to the next question. Which is, it is all, it can all be so fraught, even, so for example, let me like lay this down so the question can be better understood. Um, a lot of what I do with my the podcast and the newsletter and my facilitation, which I've gotten like just super selective about where I go because because I can't deal with what I have often referred to as like, uh, you often use the word progressive, not progressive, movement fundamentalism, right? <laughs> so like here in the US media, it could be progressivism and wokeness, uh, or what I call performative wokeness can be really equated. It can be seen as the same thing, right? And And I have, almost all of the values that a progressive has. I, my voting record is very much on the progressive side. Um, and it will continue to be, but I, I am consciously disassociating from anything that looks like cancel culture or that quite mm -hmm. frankly feels like the fundamentalist religious community that I grew up in. Yeah. Like I am moving intentionally away. Yeah. Right. And so another term for people that are trying to carve a new space is heterodox. As opposed, you know what I mean? As opposed to like, we can only believe this thing. And if you don't believe this thing, you're going to be exiled from it. Right. right. And so I, oh, I imagine that at a global level, progressivism has different names. Like, yes. right. <laughs> it means different things. I can only imagine some like, hyper-fundamentalist person from an American context, as I know at best, showing up and talking to somebody in South yeah. Africa, right? And like trying to impose right, right. 
this ideology, right? And so, like, it happens. It? it happens. It ha- I'm yeah. not going to. I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't happen, right? Okay. And it, I think it's a. I think uh, the best we can do in these global settings, I think, is to name it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Provide safe spaces. And this you do well as a facilitator. You understand this more than anyone, right? Provide the safe space where people can can, can uh, find an outlet to express their frustration, right, in a safe space. And try to have measures to ensure that th- there, it, it's, it, there's a conversation, that there's a remedy, there's a, there's some, that there's openness in having that out, That's right? Great. And be, I think... Throughout the years um, at, at Open, some things have worked better than others. A lot of experimentation as to how this works. I want to believe and I want to think that in the last few years, we've been much more intentional about it and have been much more successful at it. But I haven't, I, I will not here say or pretend that we perfected it. Yeah. I think it's really about, um, again, intentionality coming into, you know, and in, in creating that safe space. So people know, come into it knowing that if if something like that happens, that it will be dealt with in a way that is respectful, honorable, you know, with intention and um, and movement, you know, and uh, you know, I think I think we're at that place in this organization right now. But I think it have I've been I've worked with other global organizations in the past. Um, when I was in the Middle East, you know that I worked with the Quakers as the regional director over at, um, of the Middle East for a while. So I've been in that sort of global uh, organization as well. And every organization, I mean, it is, it's a continuous sort of, it's a, the other thing that really helps is having your values very well defined as an organization. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and continue always having conversations about your values just That's to recheck. Right. right? Just to make sure, because people change, organizations change, and we're a network. And what, you know, and as organizations change, you got to make sure that they're coming back to their roots, you know, and understanding where they're coming from all the time, because organizations themselves evoluciona, you know, they they have these, you know, shifts. So we have to continuously have these conversations to make sure that we're all on the same page. And and when we're not, then we have to figure out what we're going to do about that. And Yeah. um, Yeah. yeah. And I'm gonna get. I wanna. I I keep. I keep teasing people about this question that I'm about to. That I will ask you about your own evolution, but I wanna. I think we're in a good flow here, and I wanna say a couple more things. First, ask you a question, which is: Did you get that that piece that was written by Maurice Mitchell of the Working Families Party? It's called "Building Resilient Organizations," which is a total misnomer because. It's really about this problem, right? Like this problem of puritanism, right? Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you got to it yet. Um, But I think I'll send it to you. I'll share it with you because it could be wonderful reading for for like the the international. I think he just like, he's coming from a power perspective. He's coming from a party perspective. And he's like just naming what is playing out and how it's holding us back. And it's one of the best articulations I have yet read. Um, I have to say that um, I have a strange reaction to the word resilient, to the word resilience. Yeah. Because I've been named that in the past a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I hear it, 
I, you know, you know, it, I had this, um, strange reaction to it because it, it, the first thing that comes to my mind is power and power dynamics and fighting sort of, sort of like, you know, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, fighting pose. And, um, because in order to, you know, it, it just means that you're able to face the world in a combative way in my mind, right. In a combative way and, and, and overcome, right. Overcome challenges, um, which comes back to struggle. So, you you know, and that, you know, not that it's negative or positive. I mean, I, I, I do understand sort of like the positive sense of the word word, but when I hear building resilient organizations, you know, again, it's really about, you know, it's the power to overcome, but how about the power to be, you know, you you know, how about, and, and, you know, how, and that is something that comes back to what I've always been talking about lately, which is really building infrastructure, building uh-huh. strong infrastructures of organizations to be able to do the work because we're always in poverty mentality, which yeah. keeps us yes. from being from being able to do um, the generous work that we need to do, right? Sure. And in the fighting mode and in the struggling mode and... Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that made much sense, but that's... It made all the sense in the world. And, and, and just to add one more layer to it, we're both Puerto Rican, and like that's the other offense, often offensive part of this. It's like, oh, we are so resilient. Yeah, but like you've been squeezing every <laughs> bit of us for 500 years. Like, it's like and fine. I'm glad we're still here, beautiful people. But... <laughs> Let's not romanticize our resilience. Like, it's like this something is unfair is going on, you know. Yes. So there's a there's another angle on I that. I agree. <laughs> yeah, and the wor- I think I think the worst part about the piece is the title because it's it's just mistitled, but it is mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful piece. I'll, sh- I'll share it with you after. Thank you. I look forward to and reading. I, it. Also for the readers because of this concern that we're sharing, I feel like I feel like what is at risk is liberalism. And by that, I don't mean like like liberals in the United States. I mean like liberal democracies. Like mm-hmm. the idea of what, you know, often people call it agonistic democracies. Like a democratic process where no one is going to have the ultimate victory, where you're always going to be engaged in a contestation of power, right? And so when people start banning books on either side or banning speakers, right? It's like when things can no longer be said and and valuable arguments cannot be had. And oftentimes it's like us so-called progressives enforcing our ideology. It's like, that's not, that's not a liberal value. Right. And if we can't have that among ourselves, if we can have agonistic democratic debates among ourselves across nations, like we don't stand a chance. Like uh, the authoritarian spirit will win on either side. I mean, agreed, one hundred percent. It's, it's yeah, a real I agree. thing. I agree. And so, what I wanted to uh, to ask you finally about is because <laughs> uh, I often ask it very early on, and it's like, what is a belief? that you have held close to your heart that you've identified with that you've either changed completely 
or at least hold more loosely. And I ask this precisely because of the conversation we're having. Because I want people to see that remarkable leaders like yourself wouldn't be here 20 years since we met if we hadn't changed. If we hadn't like changed our mind about what we thought was completely true. Right? Because that's where the polarization comes. Everybody just bonkers down on a belief. I'm so yeah. curious, like, what would you share with us? <sighs> Two things come to mind, Yvran. One is, I'm not all that. <laughs> wow. Right? Yeah. So when you and I met, you know, 20-something years ago, I mean, there was, you know, when, when, when you're giving a lot of responsibility at a young age and a lot of attention, right, that you're seeking, um, you believe you tend to believe what you hear, yeah. right? I'm and sorry. and you be, you think you're bigger than you are, mm. right? And uh, I took myself too seriously, mm. and because of it, and made a ton of mistakes, mm. and I I had to really learn humility mm. um, through many many iterations of you know uh mistakes that i've made throughout my life so that that was one i had to let go of of my ego right mm -hmm. um and that was a lot of work it still is i have to say yeah. a lot too. of work um because <laughs> it was big it still is at certain times depending on who you ask um and then the other is um you know my brother died in an accident in in 20 11 and that was really hard he was very, he was young he was 39 um and i used to believe up to then that god thought we were that we were special because we had gone through a lot in our lives already we, we grew up very poor single mom um you know a lot of deprivation of a lot of things so i thought that we had suffered everything we had to suffer mm -hmm. And when he died, um, very suddenly, I learned very quickly that I had to let that, again, it was all about ego, right? That I had to let that go. Um, and that it was time for me to live the present and not take absolutely anything for granted. Um, and, you know, and that was yet another dose of humility um, that that I had to learn. So, and it's been a journey. It's been a journey to um, both on a sort of spiritual level, um, but even the way I show up, uh, you know, either, either at home or at work or wherever it is, how to be that strong, you know, opinionated Puerto Rican woman, um, you know, that wants to do good in this world and, and has her opinion, but also that um, has to, appreciate everyone's voice and understand that everyone comes from a different place with a different background and 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 sort of respect that and honor that and and be able to have the humility to to learn from that even if it's diametrically opposed to my own that's beautiful both are so beautiful thank you for thank you thank you for sharing that it's very meaningful uh i'll, I'll make a comment if you don't mind on each yeah. which is um, you must remember Elena Letona. 
Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was, she was, uh, she is a bit older than us, and just a wonderful soul who's done her own growth in the most beautiful ways. And she, she talks to him. She just, you know, she's really appreciative and very loving towards me. But she always reminds me of how, like, me and Guillermo will walk into a room at our, you know, you and I are similar ages, like. Like just the cockiest machistas in the room, you know, and like like we knew everything, and and like I just remember people telling us how machista we were, and like we're like, no, we're not. Like I'm a obviously a feminist, you know, uh, because of my ideology, but you're not living it out, you know, and uh, just like that youthful arrogance, you know, and I just. Just remember, like, I have fallen on my face enough times and in so much the most terrible ways. And I remember, like, one of the worst times I just really, like, just fell on my face, just did wrong. It was like, you know how they say your life flashes before your eyes? Yes. For me, it was like my the feedback I was flashing. Like, I've been, been, people have been trying to tell me this shit for so long. <laughs> And I wouldn't learn it until I screwed up in the worst of ways, you know? And like, it just like making amends for that. And like trying to literally make my, my, my life, I feel, is an effort, you know, to make things right. Um, I've seen I really you through that journey, Gibran, and I, and I honor you for that because I've, I've seen you, I've seen the growth um, mm -hmm. incredibly. And I've seen that you've dedicated your life's work to doing that. It's just, it's very clear and it's very honorable. And it's, I, I so admire you for the growth that I've seen in you. I mean, listen, um, you know, another thing, you know, we, we have, I'm, I'm not sure if it's about your journey, but I'll talk about mine. Forgiveness is, is a forgiving oneself yeah. for that arrogance or, you know, or that ego yeah. or whatever it is, is yeah. part of that journey, you know, I learning, know. you know, um, because if we're willing to figure, we're, we can't forgive others if we can't forgive ourselves, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So, and I think that's that's part of the journey. It's been it's been so long, you know that that Gibran twenty years ago, it to me is is sort of like a ghost. Even you know, yeah. it, it's it's yeah. it, you know, I see a new version of Gibran that I love. That I just I, you know, when I saw you doing the uh, facilitation of our summit i i was like wow I, every single day i was like wow and i was calling myself i was like did you see that how did you do that i mean it was just you know you have come full of, and you're so confident and so caring and so loving and so present um that that all just that you had to to be who you are today you had to go through what you went then uh, yeah, that's how yeah. i feel at least about myself as well yeah yeah no no the 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 this the Thank you, first of all, and it's a, it's a mirror, right? Similarly, the yeah, it's like um, I want to say softness in you, but there's this, it's not powerless. There's two, it's like it's like a it's like a strength that shows up that is complete and unfuckwithable, but there <laughs> is this deep gentleness, you know, and even. Even a sweetness that pours forth that can only come from that self-forgiveness. And self-forgiveness has been essential. And 
And it's interesting because it's humility, but humility is a form of really actually loving ourselves and seeing our own goodness, not the not the presentation of the image of what you think you have to be in the world to be, to receive the sense of worthiness or the sense of status, or, but to actually see yourself and know I have goodness here. Yeah. And I can, I can, and, and that, that goodness can be transmitted to others. Yeah. And that, that's just a beautiful thing to get to, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful and I think thing. it's wonderful that we've both come to a place, Jibran, that we're, we're continuing the work that we've always been doing, which is really at the service of others. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think that that comes from, from a unique set of values, you know, and, um, that we were we were both born catholic we came from very yeah. catholic families my mother i you i know your dad and i please say hi to him by the way um cool. you know i i you know and i come from a very catholic family my mom wrote a book on the virgin mary i mean she i mean wow. there's so i come from a very catholic background like you wanted to be a priest i wanted to be a nun i mean there was there was a moment i um, until I discovered boys, but that's another story. But the thing <laughs> is, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we have a deep set of values um, that come from our Puerto Ricanness and yeah. our Catholic upbringing. I think yeah. that has evolved over the years to something else. At least in my, yeah. in, I'm, yeah. I know for myself, it's evolved to something else. But um, that we can hold dear and use you always coming back to service that we're using to service, and it's interesting. This being here today, you know, third of March of uh, 2023, you know, and knowing that we're still doing this type of work, you know, that's right. What a beautiful thing! What a, what a beautiful thing! Beautiful. I love that you. I love that you're going back to that, to culture and and, and values and and faith because I actually I've been through so many iterations of spiritual pursuit and. I grew up like deep in, like, you know, like fundamental. It was like, it was as close as you could get to being like a Pentecostal in your expression. And, and my, my, my partner in, in work, Jade, tells me not everybody knows what that word means. It means like, a, it means like a, like an expression of faith that's very like, people are raising their hands in the air and dancing and speaking in tongues and, putting their hands on others in prayer and people are praying at the same time, but with different words. So we would do that for like two hours before going to mass for like an hour. Right. So it was like being evangelical and Catholic at the same time, like the church was losing too many people. And so they like opened this thing called the charismatic renewal, you know? And, um. and so, so it had like, what was good about that was that it was very embodied had a lot of fire in it. Um, what was bad about that is that, that at least as we practice was hyper conservative, you know, and mm. mirrored a lot of like the kind of American evangelicalism that we see today that's that's yeah. hurting the nation so much. Um, but um, but it has continued to change, like it, as to into different practices, right? Like from the yogas to the, the specifically the tantras to the more shamanic path and and what I learned is that that what I, I want to call it God that God's face seems to keep changing 
And so I'm not going to be attached to the face, you know, I'm yeah. going to be attached to what's happening. And I'm going to like commit to whatever God wants to show me. And I'm just going to keep letting go. But it's never been like a rejection of, right? It's like mm -hmm. an evolution, a transition, right? Mm -hmm. right? Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about this upbringing that you've referred to. I do know, you know, you've shared, I've known you for years, so I know some, but I know that you 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 have roots in Vieques, right? Like, yes, that's yeah, right. So, yeah, so tell so, me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so my, my grandmother on my mother's side was from Vieques and uh, from Esperanza and her, her family when she was very young was evicted um, when the Navy came. You know, they were giving money out and forcing people basically to sell their land to be able to build the, the military base there. And, and her father refused mm -hmm. and went to jail for that. But they were completely taken out of the island. And, and when she was older, she went back um, when she was able to, to go back and live there, you know, the rest of her life. And we used to go there every summer and it's like a second home to me. I mean, I, I this, this is my sanctuary. This is my rock. This is my place to be when I want to be. This is where I go descalza, you know, barefooted, no makeup, you know, and just this is where I am with the wild hair and the, you know, and the freckles and I, and all, you know, and I, it's where I am. It's my place. And, you know, from a very young age, I lived there until I was six. Um, uh, so my father was the doctor, one of the doctors there. My father's from Spain, very little known fact. Um, and uh, he was the doctor there. And Vic is one of two. And they, people, you know, his generation um, still remember him as El Doctor, you know, from that, from that time. Uh, but then my, you know, fast forward, my parents get divorced. Um, but I still remember my kindergarten there, my kindergarten teacher, uh, her name was Miss Goyin. And she, and my first poem, just to get a sense, my mom was very involved in the Puerto Rican independence movement. So that in and of itself in the seventies was a big deal, right? You know yeah. how it was. People, yeah. If you were involved in that party, you were sort of like, you know, uh, blacklisted. You weren't, yeah. you know, it was a very radical thing to do. Um, and she, you know, people still remember her in the, you know, in the plaza with her, you know, banner and, and getting money in a can for the Puerto Rican independence party. And, uh, yeah, so we, 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 my family has always been active in trying to get the U S Navy out of Vieques mm -hmm. our whole lives. But my grandmother wasn't because she, you know, she kept saying, if you are going to be part of this independence movement, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get a jail. You're going to, you know, that she was ingrained in, in that sense of, you are, you know, something bad is going to happen to you, right? If that happens. So she didn't participate until she was like in her late seventies when, when this whole thing happened in, in Vieques in the two thousands, uh, in the late 1990s, early two thousands, when David Sanes dies and the whole island starts this whole movement to stop the U.S. bombing in Vieques. And I was very involved, as you know, in the U.S. to yes. get Bostonians involved in this. And uh, massive demonstrations. We all got arrested. It was fantastic. But she, she for the first time started going to protests, and mm -hmm. she for the first time, which, which, which really taught me the power of learning that you can learn and you can change at any point of your life. 
She was in late late 70s, early 80s, and she, for the first time, voted for Ruben Berrios in the Puerto Rican Independence Party at that age when she was like a popular her whole life, right? Like popular Uh Democratic Party because she was afraid she was leading with fear. So, and the, but she came into her own and I am so proud of her to be able yeah. to be so quick to be able to do that. She died during COVID, unfortunately, at 96, wow. I think it was, but she was a tremendous influence in my life in that sense, as is my mom, right? So we have always been so pro, uh, pro-independence sort of supporters and also, you know, getting the, so Vieques is a very special place and getting the Navy out of Vieques has always been sort of um, front and center of my life still to today, you know, because now they're gone, but now we have to clean the place up and yeah. get some econo- economy going in the island. So I'm very supportive of the, all the efforts there as well. Mm. So yeah, Vegas is a special place, special. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for the faithfulness and the commitment to to our people. And, you know, I think, I, well, I think I've heard it said that we have been the only people that have successfully evicted the Navy from anywhere, you know? And that's a big deal. That's a big, I was big there on May 1st, I think 2003, was it? When they finally came out, you know, left, and, the, and it was 12 o'clock, and that was the time that they were supposed to be, like, gone forever, and they opened the gates, and it, they swung open the thing, and people were crying. Yeah. You know, people, particularly the older generation that remember the rapes, Right. That remember the 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 you know, they were on their knees sobbing um, because of the significance of this. And I remember when when people were saying on the stage, primero Vieques y ahora Puerto Rico, like people saw this as a moment of national solidarity. Like if we can do this here, we can do this for our country. It was a very big and people believe that at that moment in time. It was just a very. I will never forget the the particularly the women of Vieques, uh-huh. the women that were cooking every single year, day for years for people to go into those camps and do the the civil disobedience. They were the ones who were cooking and and taking the food and and just you know singing and 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 chanting and it was just you know it was an a, an amazing time and for a poor community as Vieques to to be able to rally the entire nation inside of Puerto Rico and outside to be able to free themselves from the oppressor in that way is just, um, you know, it's, it's the moment of my lifetime. I have to say it was just, and just to be part of that and witness that was beautiful. That's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for the gift of your attention. If there's something here that resonates for you, something that feels true and good. Think about a friend that you could share it with. We curate for each other. And that's the only way the good stuff spreads. I, I want to I tell you uh, a couple of quick stories and, and then I want to ask you, uh, yeah, what is your perspective on Puerto Rican movements now and, and where we are, where they are, we, they, depending on uh, just think of always trying to respect the people that are living on the island, you know. That's the only reason why I say they, even though I know we're one people. Uh, but but um, just a couple of stories. I had the privilege of going to this elite graduate school called the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. And the school had like, it was like 
less than 200 students, I think, it may be even less, but um, it had like these three kind of tracks. It had like the, the track of people that kind of had come out of the Peace Corps and were very concerned with development, you know, and it had the track of people that were into international business, you know, and then it had this national security wing. So like the dean of the school had been, when I was there, had been the commander of the NATO armed forces in Europe during the Cold War. And I told, I told my son, you know, we talk about like different, like I, I tried to live life without too many regrets and keep growing and learning from them. But I do regret not getting to know the people from the, the military folk, you know? Like, I feel like if I had gotten to know them rather than reject, just reject them, I would know so much interesting stuff right now, you know, and maybe even have friends in places that I would never uh, associate with. And I still probably don't. Um, but I got to tell you, that was one reason might simply be that it was during this struggle and I was in the hallway talking to this Texan officer, high level officer from the Navy. And he just said in the most, he was much older than me, he said in the most nonchalant way, like, oh, I shot Vieques a thousand times. Mm. And he was trying to explain to me how important tactically Vieques was for the, for, for the Navy. And he's like, like, you could get so much more money out of us, you know, if, if, you, let, if you played your cards right. This is from his perspective, you know. Oh, like, like we... For you to hear? <laughs> yeah. so it's just like then it might have been a little hard for me to to make friends with those guys but um but just interesting interesting and you're talking you know, about you but on you you reminded me of a of a something i can't believe how we have similar experiences on this i mean we should talk more for sure uh i also went to an elite school um you know i went to the kennedy school and there we had an, a class, I'm sure you're familiar with Ron Heifetz and his adaptive leadership yes. sort of psychology. So I, I did that. And there was this one guy in the, there's always someone in the classroom that sits right at the top of the forum, like, and he's so tends to be the most, you know, vociferous guy. And he was from the Coast Guard, you know, and he, I just, I, he mentioned in one of his things about Vieques in the middle of a class. And I had a visceral reaction to, I could not look at him i could not i mean the anger that i had every time i went into that classroom every time he spoke his voice everything and one day i just went up to him in in the forum um he was having his coffee whatever and i brought a picture of my grandmother and i put it right in front of him and i said you know how would you like you know someone bombing your grandmother's backyard would you like that, <laughs> you like that? And how safe would you feel, right? Because he was saying that he did all of this because, you know, it was, you know, for the safety of the people. He didn't understand why the people of Vieques were not appreciative of their efforts. But you know what he did the next day? He brought me a, a picture of his kids, of wow. his two girls. And he sat next to me. And he showed me the picture of his two daughters. And he goes, I do everything to protect their liberties, their freedom. That's what makes me do what I do. Wow. And that started a whole conversation about our values and what leads us to do what 
we do, right? right? And and also sort of like understanding the perspective of what where we're coming from, right? So right. he had a deep under it became personal. Yeah. And that yeah. was one of the most profound moments for me at, at the Kennedy School because we were able to translate that moment into a moment of understanding of shared value of understanding shared values and understanding perspectives in a different way where you de-villainize yeah. the oppressor, right? Yeah. The oppressor. And but the oppressor de-victimizes the victim. So you're yeah. equal. You're on an yeah. equal standing talking about a situation that does what that opens up is for possibilities. Now we're not best wow. friends. We're not blah, blah, blah. But there is an, there's a, the doorway that happens, right? Yeah. That, you know, there's an open door that happens that opens up that possibility of X. Yeah. That was a huge learning for me. Um, you know, because of what you said, right? When, when, you know, Still till today, when I when I talk to anyone in the middle, I have to like, you know, in my, <laughs> the hairs on my back of my neck, just like cringe. But but then I remember that moment. Right. Yeah. And say, OK. And it's given me sort of like the the sort of the 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 the, the reminder that I have to stop and reassess and not yeah. and, you know, and um, and give opportunities now, you know. Yeah. So anyways, that reminded me of that story. Yeah. It's very similar to yours, right? And yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Because that gets that you're just getting right to that place where well I'm well I'm trying to invite anybody that's in relationship with me, particularly through this through this platform, which is what I was saying earlier, like liberalism and agonistic contestation like <laughs> and so like just this morning i was reading a piece on like how when you read the data we are each side is completely dehumanizing the other and overestimating like basically the most vociferous most extreme voices on either side are understood by everybody on the other side to be how the other side is, right? Mm -hmm. and, and like most people on the right are not like the worst of the right. And most people on the left are not like the worst of the left, right? But if we're stuck, like if we are even, once we dehumanize the other, once we think, this person is an existential threat to my very existence. Uh, in, we can't get there now. Some people are like bombing your island. That is an existential threat, right? And that <laughs> yes. demands that demands a contestation of power, right? Um, right? But 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 the room for conversation in between is like my brother was saying, like. We are like on our phones seeing everything that is going wrong and the way the world is falling apart. But if we look at our windows, not everywhere, not all the time, but certainly for people like you and like me and like a lot of people listening, when you look at the window, there's still trees, there's still grass. Right now here, there's rain. And it's like, I gotta move. 
I can't forget the devastation that is happening, but I got to move towards it from a place that is aware that life is life, that li that a lifeness still thrives, you know? Yeah. And like that just opens the heart in a different way. It just does. Yeah, I agree. Then, I have know? to say one of the things that I've learned more, because you know, I'm like you, uh, I'm an organizer, I'm an activist, I'm an advocate, um, but I've never really, and I, I'm an electoral campaigner, I've done all of that. What I never did um, was digital campaigning. And the and there's a science behind all of this thing about digital campaigning, which I really love, uh, that I've really loved to learn about, which is really about um, developing messages in a way, conveying messages in a way that is inclusive, right? Yeah. That you can feel a part of, that you yeah. can feel, and and it's instead of dividing, it's in the, instead of being a divisive force, which it can be used for that, right? And a lot of platforms do that, right? right. But in, in us, in our groups, what we're seeing more and more is using, you know, you have, you know, I don't know, 16 million members. And we have the capacity now through technology to really um, study what that membership is and divide them into these groups, right, um, on the back end. Yeah. And we give a message to folks, depending on what we know through testing, that they can hear up to where they can in their progressiveness because we understand that, that there's awesome. a gamut of that what progressive beautiful. means, right? right? So the message or the themes or the issues that we're going to be sort of targeting certain segments to is going to be different, right. but in the name of being able to ensure that people, everyone can participate, right? Yeah. On the issues that they care about. Right. And that to me is just I, there's a beauty to that, right? There's a there's a beauty uh, and a and a and sort of an a dynamism to that that is really that works really well. It's but what's happening in the world, Jivan and I see, is that that is being sort of attacked through disinformation, right? Uh -huh. so, right. Yes. So so then that you you try to develop these messages, but then people are seeing. 10,000 messages on their phone or they're, you know, telling them another story and but 20 times more because the algorithm that they're in tells them the story, you know, keeps telling them the story that they need to hear, which sort of makes our job as, you know, as digital organizer harder, right? Much harder. Because we're on the defensive, we have to, you know, we have to continuously try to yeah. fight against sort of the voices on the side, right? Yeah. And testing and testing and testing. And um, the the good news is, I think, is that um, it's it it it's effective, and and also the you know it it can be effective is what I'm trying to say. But also that we're, what I'm seeing right as well is that because there's so much disinformation, we still use the digital organizing, but a lot of groups are going back to the grassroots. Beautiful. It's all coming back to you yeah. and me because I right. know you. And you're going to talk to five people that you know, and I'm going to talk to five people that it's like a domino effect. And it's all coming back to people, people, person to person. And what the digital tools do is help enhance that to, you know, make that happen better. Um, right. Instead of being the sole place for that to happen as, as it was before. 
you know, in the early days of digital organizing, it's coming back to people. And I think that's really exciting, you know, um, to, to that, that connection that's happening. But I think COVID had a lot to do with it too. I think people yeah. are just tired of being online. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a good silver lining effect to it as well. But but I, I hear you in the polarization. Yes, yes. And it's going to take a while for us, yeah. I think, to for all of us as progressives to, to figure out the polarization within us because there's a lot of polarization within yeah. the progressive movement. I remember, you know, and that hasn't changed from when you and I, you know, you're yeah. not thinking enough. You're not progressive enough. Yeah. You're not, you know, you're not, you're, you're an advocate. You're not an organizer. I mean, the judgment behind the value systems, you know, we, we just judge so much yes. our own, right? Yeah. That it becomes unbearable. It, it's, it's very tiring. Yeah. So we need to start um, nurturing. That's where your work comes in so profoundly, Gibran, because I, I think you're, the work that you and Tuesday are doing in, in that, which is the, the infrastructure that you're building so that people feel and understand the importance of doing away with the judgments, doing away and, and focusing more on the connection is, is truly very important. That's not something we do. That's something, you know, you, you, that's your mission. That's your purpose. That's the, that's, that's right. the that's thing right. that you bring to the world, the light, the torch that I'm you were sure. talking about earlier yeah. in your, before we started this thing, um, we did a little, you did a little invocation and talked about the torch that we're, you know, that we're um, carrying to build for, forward a yeah. path. And that just resonated so much with me um, because I have that in connection with you and with Tuesday, yeah. it's just beautiful. Um, we're doing it in our own ways, right? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Now I can totally feel it. Everything I'm hearing about what you're doing, I get goosebumps. I get goosebumps. I can really feel the way it's working, and uh, I just love where you took us with with this idea of going back to the grassroots. Because I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been thinking about how it's only going to get harder to know what's true. You know, with AI, with deep fakes, right? Yeah. You know, I <laughs> I read the New York Times faithfully, and I it's like a it's like a almost like a bad habit. Like I want to just read less of it, and I shouldn't tell people my password, but my password is elite propaganda. You know, and then I got some numbers. <laughs> it's, so like, it's like it's like yeah, it's a more valuable source of news than most. But then you can feel it. You can feel how it's used. You can feel how the reporters are living on Twitter. You know, yeah. it's just like, it's, and so to me, I just keep thinking about somehow we need to find people we trust. Like it has to be a network of humans, yeah. right? Where like you, like, because right now it's all so big, you gotta just, People are so exhausted with over-information, with overwork, with over-everything that they, they got to choose one side or the other because they just don't have time. Yeah. You know, so they're like, I'm this or I'm that. Mm -hmm. There's no nuance, right? And somehow it has to be relational. Like, okay, like these are good people. All right. So it's also like, do you feel the kindness? Do you feel the compassion in the other, right? Like, mm -hmm. to me, if you're out here, like, full of panic and hate, mm -hmm. 
for somebody, even if it's the opposition, you become less trustworthy to me, right? And uh, it's like a part of one of my ongoing theories or beliefs, truly, is that modernity did away with mythos. And mythos is how we make meaning. And so modernity made it so that our stories, our mythos was either a fundamentalist truth. The world must have been created in seven days and there must have been a global flood and Noah's Ark can be found on this mountain. <laughs> or a scientific lie, or all of it is a lie, as if our ancestors of all peoples didn't understand that the mythical is a true realm, but a different realm, right? Like, we were sophisticated enough. Like, I don't believe the old Greeks would be, would think, if I get out to Mount Olympus, if I can literally climb it, I'm going to see Zeus throwing down thunder, right? Like, people are more sophisticated than that, right? These are stories. And, yeah. and so, absent mythos, a way for meaning, we substitute it with ideology. Right. An ideology is heady, right? And it's what we call like propositional. It's like my proposition versus your proposition, right? And all the fighting is happening at this ideology. And so if your ideology is supplanting your mythos, mm. it's not teaching you how to be a good human being, right? How to care no matter what somebody else believes, right? Yeah. Yeah. How to be kind, how to be compassionate, right? Like how to do all of the things, right? Mm-hmm. It's just teaching you that this is what is right. And mm-hmm. you you might be right to eliminate somebody that doesn't that is of a different ideology. Yeah. So it's somehow we can return. So so you know, part of my own change is at some point over the last couple of years through through miracle through the healing work i've been doing it's like a somehow striving dropped as a thing right like i still want to do great work um i want my work to be known enough for me to get more of the clients that i want you know um, but i don't feel like the only way to measure my success is by attaining a certain scale or level of recognition, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And I, there's all these people that I admire that I'm like, well, they're doing this at such a higher level. And it's like, just kind of relax. And and like, we do these circles with 10 to 12 people and we do a, a, a night of healing or five days of transformational work. And that might be the, the five days, might be 24 people, whatever you know, the number is. And you you have a trust and a belief that something from there will keep moving on. Yes. And if you light the spark, you know, yes. or, or the spark is lit and it sees it and it recognizes itself in the other, then it think- spreads by itself. You don't have yes, to fill yes, up yes, a yes. room with a crowd, you know? Exactly. Like yeah, 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 you yeah. know, I agree. And that's... It brings me back to those the open summits and the uh, cohorts and, and the meetings yeah. that we have, because that's how I see our work, right, in terms of lighting that fat fire that you're talking about. It, you know, if we can if we can get people together 
to learn from each other and build solidarity and, and share knowledge and share techniques so they can create change within their own context and their own countries, then my work is done, right? That's, yeah. that's what fuels me because you know that what you're doing has like this domino effect that's yes. affecting hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of people, right? right. And, right. and um, from your vantage point. And that's, that's just, it, 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 it gives you a sense of purpose that is um, meaningful um, and, and beautiful, right? Yeah. 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 Fulfilling, fulfilling. Yes, fulfilling. I, I will move into, I will move us towards the two closing questions that we usually ask. But before we do that, a remind us of the Monty Python movie, The Life of Brian. I don't know if you ever saw it, but, no. you know, Palestine, like, like Jesus was born into an age when there were many messiahs because the people were oppressed by the Roman Empire, right? Mm -hmm. And so they make fun of it because Brian is basically living, like they're taking his life. It's a, a Monty Python, it's hilarious. But but they have these <laughs> rebel groups. This part, and it's like the, the front for the liberation of Palestine versus the Palestinian People's Liberation Front, right? And then there's a third one. And it's just like, that is the story of the left, right? Like, you know, it's just like... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just That's like, true. you could just it's laugh so at true. it. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. <laughs> so true. I agree. Um, so, the... The last, the questions, I'll ask you two questions and then invite you to say anything you want to say for closing. But one of them is, you know, with your, with your consent, I'd like to invite the person I'm interviewing, in this case, Giovanna, to, to see if you can take a, take a time travel to 20 years from now. Mm and to see yourself 20 years from now. Hmm. You have attained certain things, you have not attained others, you have failed at others, you have grown in certain ways, and some of your human foibles are still a problem. Um, what a human life looks like, you know? But no matter what, you've grown in wisdom. And we know that because this is how you engage your life. And rather than describing yourself in 20 years to me and to us, I want to invite you to return back for that, that person that you have become 20 years, that wisdom, to come back to you now. Mm -hmm. And what, what would she say to you? What would she tell you that you should know and remember about how you should be over the next 20 years? Hmm. Oh, wow, that's a deep question, Duran. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that one. Um, <laughs> I, let's see. That person will, me, I would probably tell myself a few things. One, I told you Puerto Rico would be free. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but she would also say, um, thank you for doing all the work that you're doing. It means something 
mm-hmm. and you're making a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world is a kinder place because of your work. Ashe. That's something yeah. sweet, huh? That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, your yeah. response is absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, one of the things I did for my birthday this to last Tuesday was I put up a picture of old me. Like there's a filter where you can make yourself old. I saw that. That was so <laughs> yeah. cute. Oh, my God. I was like, let me get that wisdom now, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like to ask that question. I said two questions, but your answer reminded me of uh, of one that I didn't get to. So if we can do it a little briefly, but just the essence of it. Like, I got to facilitate some years ago during COVID this this forum between Puerto Rican organizers in the diaspora mm-hmm. and Puerto Rican organizers in the island. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating, you know, fascinating. Uh, and then got to spend a little bit more time with Puerto Rican organizers in Puerto Rico and uh, just beautiful stuff. And also, also like stuff that's younger people do that. I mean, I felt a little older and, you know, a little more like, oh, wow, like I'm, there's some stuff I'm not understanding, but this is the energy that we need. So keep going. Mm. Uh, but uh, I'm just wondering if you have an opinion or a thought or something you would offer uh, to the Puerto Rican people, the Puerto Rican movements right now. Like, what are you seeing that's inspiring you? Or oh. what would you say we have to remember? Yeah. I, you know, I'm in awe of the young people in Puerto Rico who are waking up to a new, to a, to, and, and sort of approaching Puerto Rico in a new, very um, sort of dynamic and, and, and uh, conscious and profound ways in terms of bettering Puerto Rico, going back to the land, doing yeah. agriculture, right? Um, going back to, you know, sort of uh, housing issues, you know, advocating for the anti-privatization so that our beaches are not privatized so that and these are the young people that are leading it. And, yeah. you know, in the last elections, as we know, I mean, a massive amount of young people went out to vote and the pro-independence sort of um, uh, parties got a massive amount of, of the vote for the first time in decades. And so my, I guess my words would be, keep up, uh-huh. keep up with this. Um, we believe in you. We need you. And, yeah. and, and use us, the people who, you know, continue to fight for this as well. Don't exclude us, include us in these movements yeah. as well, because we, you know, we can also help, um, in, in many ways. So I think that's what I would say. I think there's more acceptance of the diaspora than there was before. Right. right. There was an us versus them, um, big us versus them mentality. There's still some in Puerto Rico of yo no me quito, right? Like I, you oh. know, the people who left to Orlando or to Florida or to U.S. when Maria happened. But I think, you know, that I'm, I'm hoping that people start, especially the young people, start putting that aside and yeah. returning to what is, is important, which is the economic, social and political sort of um, stability of our island. And the belief that we can, that we can, that we can. And what I mean we can is that we can be independent, that we can have agriculture, that we can have a sound economy, that we can deal with the housing crisis, that we can, um, and we will. 
That's beautiful. That's great. That's great. You know, um, two things I'll say. One is one of the summits I did. I saw a, a tank top. You know, Puerto Rico is a warm land. This very young man had a tank top that had the words on it, Pateria en Resistencia, you know? And I'm like, never in my, in my when I was, never would that have been possible. Pateria is a Puerto Rican term for queerness, you know? And just to like proudly rock it, you know? It's like just a <laughs> world apart from my own, you know? Oh, just so beautiful, you know? And then when I, I went to Puerto Rico, the Friday that Trump got elected. Trump got elected on Tuesday. I already had a plan to go to see my abuelo who who passed right as COVID was starting. Just my hero, my my ancestors. He's just he's shown up in my dreams a couple of times. Just yeah. I just love the man, and uh, and it was great to go because I was able to dunk myself in the Caribbean waters. I was able to fall in love with reggaeton again after kind of moving away from the genre. And I haven't dropped it since then. And uh, then I saw my grandfather who's been through the, the Great Depression and the Second War and went to Korea and he's like, don't despair, you know? But then he's also seen Puerto Rico go through the arc of like entering touching the middle classes, going from the campo to having a post office job, which gave him a federal salary and like and being a soldier for 20 something years and and then seeing that fall apart, you know? And he said, like, man, when we had the Great Depression, at least we knew how to plant yams and how to fish. Yeah. You know, and like to have the, the young people re- reclaiming that knowledge. Like what people don't know or listeners is that this is some of the most fertile land on planet Earth. And that because of the development model that was forced on us, we are not food to sell sustainable with food. You know, and that's a crime. You know, that's a crime when people cannot grow food in their own land. land. It's such a powerful thing to reclaim. I'm glad you brought that in. Um, The last question for you, Giovanna, plus anything you want to share that I haven't asked about, ways to find you. Um, follow you. But the best question I always ask uh, the powerful women or non-binary people that come to the podcast, which is in this world, it kind of is post-Me Too world where the horrors that you have always known about uh, were exposed and had, had had to be contended with and just like patriarchy, right? And it's something I've been really working on with the Better Men Project. And I always ask, you know, in your opinion, what advice do you have for men? What should men do to become better? Oof, that's another one. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Hmm. Listen. I have a wonderful husband who's Australian. And, uh, you know, I come, I grew up Puerto Rican, as you know, and, and, you know, I've had my relationships prior to to my husband have been Latino men, Mm -hmm. right? So I, and I had Latino brothers and sort of that was my world. 
And, you know, I have to say something. I, I, I name this because I've seen the diff, the marked difference, right, between a white Australian male versus the Latino males that I've been with, you know, throughout the majority of my life. One thing that he brings to me that I would, you know, sort of give advice to, to other men, particularly Latino men, yeah. right? Um, because Latino men are, are, are oftentimes because of, you know, are, are given special treatment in society in Latin yeah. America and oh. they are mimados, you know, and, 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 yeah. and given special permission to do things, right? You know, culturally and socially, um, we, we come from a very sexual society too, where we, you know, where men are sexualized and women are even more so sexualized. And there's this expectation to please the men and to, and to, um, uh, and for men, you know, to, uh, and, and, and a, and a pressure for, for men to also please the woman, right. And, and to, and to, you know, so I, I would say, Trust yourself, trust your instincts, be, be grounded in, in your heart when treating strong women or people yeah. or partners that you're with. Because um, what is going at the essence of everything, at least in my relationship with Tony, that he has brought is peace, mm -hmm. you know, um, safety cool. and peace, right? Knowing that someone's going to be there for you for you know no, trusting and knowing that um that the other is the person who is going to carry you and be happy for your successes and not be threatened by your successes or you know wants to see you shine and be the best that you can be and with latino men you know not all but many in my experience are very threatened by you know strong you know women and can really and it, you don't have to be where yeah. you don't have to be because the more she will be a reflection of you and you will be a reflection of her because you will help each other shine. And mm -hmm. that is the beauty. So there's nothing to be threatened by. It's the other way around. There's nothing to be jealous by. There's nothing. You don't need to be jealous if she has five guy friends. Right. She, she, the, it'll make her stronger. It'll make her bigger. It'll make her want more wonderful. It'll make her more whole um, to yeah. be free. And yeah. that is, yes. uh, that's what I would say. Gold, another <laughs> one that gave me goosebumps. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Beautiful mm -hmm. stuff. Thank and you. very real, very real about some of the cultural tropes, you know. I was uh, translating one of Bad Bunny's most recent super popular songs, you know. Titi me preguntó, and she's like, you know, what does it mean? And I'm like, no, literally, as boys, we are asked by the people around us, our aunties, our aunts, female aunts, like, like, how many girlfriends do you have? Not do you have a girlfriend, but yeah. how many? That's literally what we've been asked. That's, that's yeah. boys, you know. I was asked so much. So, like, why should you not think that you shouldn't have many girlfriends? You know, like that's yeah. what that's what your aunt is telling you. You know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, uh, I have to say about, you know, um, I want to go back to one thing about uh, particularly Puerto Rican men. Uh, and it's this, Gibran, Puerto Rican men are special. Mm. You're special. And all, you know, I have two brothers um, and uh, I have 
uncles. And I know a lot of wonderful, amazing, brilliant Puerto Rican men who are just giving so much to the world. And I want to give a special shout out to the Puerto Rican men because many of them have shaped my life in very beautiful ways, right? Um, and have been incredibly influential in, in who I am today. I'm thinking of Jaime Rodriguez, for well, example, yes. right? And you know, and you know, and and others uh, who you <laughs> who you know. But um, you know, I I want to say to to those Puerto Rican men out there, uh, particularly the ones that have been in my life, you know, be be that be the person that makes um that uh, identifies and lifts off lifts lifts off other puerto rican women so it's your it's you have to it's your responsibility you That's have it. to identify and and proactively seek out those puerto rican women because we need you all of us um particularly as puerto rican we need you to be there for us to lift us up and lift lift us lift us up and allow us to be who we are. So I, I just want to make that sure for the Puerto Rican men out there who are listening. Yes. Um, we need you. We need you. Yeah, you know? that's so good. That is so good. In fact, when this podcast is released, I will send it specially to Puerto Rican guys in my in my life. Let me ask you: Do you have a just a couple of minutes, or do you have to hop off right no, now? No, I have a couple of minutes. Yeah. Okay, just to close well. Um. I just wanted to say you brought your brothers up again and there was something in what you said about what you learned and I wanted to affirm it and it's such an important part of my own learning and I think it's, it's an important thing for learning to be a human being. So my father's oldest brother died in a tragically in his 30s in a car accident. I was, must have been like five years old. And uh, I always thought of it as something that happened that I was too young to contend with, that I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't think of the impact it had in my life yeah. until like literally like a couple of years ago in therapy. Yeah. I see my grandmother writhing in bed in the worst of languages, right? Like the worst thing that can happen to a human being, I feel it's like losing your child. And, And I, I learned that I was confronted with the tragedy of human existence. And, and in some ways, it made me this beautiful like thirst for life that I have. But it also made me believe, I think, a, a little bit akin to what you're saying, that somehow if I meditated enough or I did enough exercise or I ate well enough or was kind enough, or somehow I would be spared. Yeah, that's how I, exactly. Right? Right. <laughs> and, and But then you have this other part of you that knows that you won't be like a secret part, like a hidden part. And so I am, I'm in a sobriety path. And, and one of the most important slogans is live life on life's terms. See. And these are the terms. Like none of us will escape unscathed. Grief will come to us. Yes. And there's no goodness or no protection that is enough exactly. for you to be spared. And so, and so, like in that way, you little by little release the deepest of fears and accept the terms, and then live the life that you have. You know, yes. and uh, I just wanted to affirm that realization, share it, share how it, beautiful. It's, it's an unfolding beautiful. truth for me. You know. Um, it's beautiful and I share yeah, it. I, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Death, death is something 
especially you know is is a uh, is something that is uh it's it's a, it's a strange thing because with you know the same time that my brother died a few months later i had my first daughter wow. and and so death and life you know come together in a way that you know and it, what it made me do was you know it, it you know grief um um in that sense makes you more just aware and appreciative and like you said i think i love that about li li living life in life's term because that's yeah. exactly it you know it, it's about and understanding okay something that has died but something is living at the same time yeah. it's there's yeah. new life now and it's yeah. and appreciating that yeah. is important yeah i that's it. I will. I will. It's, uh, I will let you go. Is there anything else you want to say or tell us? Um, we'll write in the show notes how to find you and follow you. But is there anything that you feel has been left unsaid that you want to? No, I just want to thank you, Jibran. This is, I mean, this is like full circle for me with you. Um, it, it's been wonderful, and thank you for your um, being so gracious and so, um, you know, generous in inviting me to this. We we have it. We have a long history and I'm just very happy yeah. that we've been able to, you know, close the circle here and not close yeah. it, but just have a circle here. That's beautiful. Yeah. And wonderful. Yeah. So thank you. And I'm so yeah. proud of you. I'm so thank proud you. of, of you, you and what you've done with your life and what who you've become. And I applaud yeah. everything that you're giving to the world. So thank you. Yeah, the appreciation is absolutely mutual. I'm absolutely proud of you. I have a whole lot of love for you, and I can't wait for our old friends yes. to uh, to be exposed to this one. Again, I'll reach out to them more directly All and be right. like, hey, find out more <laughs> about how Devana's doing, you know? Excellent. Thank so you. So I'm looking forward to it. Don't come to Boston without checking on me. All right. Okay. okay. Take care, Gracias. Ciao, ciao. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Signal versus noise. There's so much competing for our attention. And I am so glad that you stayed with us through the end of the podcast. It should mean that you're finding something meaningful here. Hopefully, something worth sharing. And so I'm asking again that you think of somebody who would be touched by this conversation. Who wants to be a part of it some way. It is a decentralized conversation. It is a way in which we're changing ourselves by leaning in towards each other in places like this and in the exchange of these ideas. So who's a person or two that will be specially moved by what you've heard here today? Send them a text, an email. Let them know we're here. We are not trying to reach everybody, but we wanna reach the right people. We want to keep having this decentralized conversation. We want to keep working on getting right to the edge of the evolution of consciousness and culture to see what we find here together. Thank you again for being a part of this. Liking the podcast helps. Subscribing is definitely a good thing. Feedback is always welcomed. Stay in touch. <laughs>